0: Those who hear and persevere in spiritual truth will be given more truth and will produce an abundant harvest of righteousness. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. You know, early the, earlier this morning in our private church family prayer time, someone had asked if we could pray, just for some encouragement, that a lot of people are feeling discouraged, maybe a little depressed. So I thought, you know in, in line of that here, uh, I, I have some really encouraging and uplifting information to think about right here to start us off today in the message here. I want us to think for just a moment about what are the leading causes of death in the United States. That's encouraging, that's uplifting, right? Okay, well, maybe not. But we're going to limit ourselves to just the top five. Number five is stroke. That accounts for about 5% of deaths each year. Number four is uh, chronic lower respiratory diseases. That's about 5.5% each year. Number three is accidents, 6%. Number two is cancer, 22%. And number one is what? Heart disease, heart disease, that's about 23% here. Now that is uplifting information there for us, isn't it? So I might ask you, you know, given that, do you have a heart condition? You know, I know some of us here are afflicted with a heart condition of one kind or another. And unfortunately, it will be the cause of death, of physical death for some of us. Once again, I told you this was going to be a very encouraging and uplifting introduction here, isn't it? But not everyone here has a physical heart condition. And a number of us never will. But, and here's the part where it gets really depressing all of us will die, and we will all die because all of us have a spiritual heart condition. We all have a spiritual heart condition. You know, all of us suffer from a spiritual heart condition called sin. And sin has brought both physical death and spiritual death into our world. Now, we all know what physical death is. But what is spiritual death? Well, spiritual death is a state of separation from God and having His judgment upon us because of our sin. You know, we come into this world spiritually dead. And apart from Christ, we will leave this world spiritually dead. Apart from Christ, we are dead. But in Christ, what? We are made alive. We are made alive by God's mighty power. We are forgiven for our sins. We are granted eternal life. So how do we come to be in Christ, well, in one word, it's what? Faith. Faith is trust, reliance in Him, reliance in His perfect life, His death for us on the cross, and His resurrection from the dead. Faith comes about in us as a mighty work of God's power and an act of the will on our part, faith. The gospel message is proclaimed, and we must respond to it with faith as the Spirit works in our hearts. And this gospel, this goodness, is to be proclaimed to all. But people do not all respond in the same way to the gospel, do they? People respond to the gospel message according to a condition of their hearts, And while we are all dead apart from Christ, there are some whose hearts are made open to hearing and believing. Some spiritual hearts are hard and will immediately reject the gospel message. Some spiritual hearts are shallow and will embrace the gospel message at first for a time, but then fall away. Some spiritual hearts are distracted. They will also believe for a time, but then allow the things of this world to choke out any spiritual life that might have come about. But some hearts, though, are productive. They hear the gospel message. They accept it. They keep it. They persevere in it. And there is a harvest of life and righteousness that is produced in their lives. So I wonder, what is your spiritual heart condition? You know, as Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, not everyone believed. In fact, most did not. Even as the gospel goes forth today, some believe, but most will not. Well, last week, we considered four different responses to Jesus. We looked at repentant faith. That's true faith, trusting in Jesus, turning away from sin and turning to him and his work for us. Repentant faith. There was self-righteous hostility. Some of the Pharisees who thought that they were better than others and they were hostile to Jesus and his message. We saw blasphemous rejection, that some accused, some of the spiritual leaders accused Jesus of being in league with Satan and that he did his mighty miracles by the power of Satan, a blasphemous rejection, speaking evil of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we also saw unpleasable unbelief, that no matter what Jesus did, no matter what Jesus said, it just wasn't enough for them and they would not believe, they refused to believe. Well, today then we're going to look at four spiritual heart conditions. Four spiritual heart conditions as we see it in the parable of the sower. And of these four heart conditions in this parable of the sower, there is only one condition, there is only one heart condition that results in spiritual life. So we're continuing our series in unique, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, going through this harmony of the gospel accounts by John MacArthur called One Perfect Life that's serving as the inspiration for our series and our text here. So today then we're looking at four soils, four soils, Matthew 13, In Mark 4 and Luke 8, we're going to be looking at a harmony of those gospel accounts of the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, in Mark 4, and in Luke 8. And here is the key idea that I want us to take away from our message today, that those who hear and persevere, those who hear and persevere in spiritual truth will be given more truth. And will produce an abundant harvest of righteousness. Those who hear and persevere, believing it, persevere in it, will be given more and more truth. And they will produce an abundant harvest of righteousness in their lives. Before we look at those texts, then a little context for our text. You know, Jesus had presented himself to the nation as the long-promised Messiah, He spoke with great power and authority. He performed many miracles. He fulfilled scriptures about the Messiah. And yet, so many people rejected him, including most of the spiritual leadership of the nation. Why? Now, if you had been one of Jesus' disciples, if you had been there with him, you heard his powerful preaching you saw those miracles he did you saw how he was fulfilling prophecies of messiah in scripture and wouldn't you think all the people would be turning to him and embracing him and yet most didn't including even your spiritual leadership would you be a little confused If you were one of Jesus, what is going on? Why, Why aren't people getting this? What's happening here? Why were so many people rejecting him, giving all that he was saying and doing? Why weren't more people truly believing in him and following him? We might ask that question today. The gospel is good news. There is no better news in all the world than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet most people, do they embrace it with gladness? No. Some just don't even want to hear it at all. Others angrily reject it. Others are very indifferent to it. Why? Of course, Jesus was not surprised by this that so many were rejecting him. And so he began to shift his teaching to speaking in parables. And there's a reason, actually several reasons, three reasons why he did that. But let's see if our text today will help to answer those questions. Why did so many reject him? And why did he begin to preach in parables? So beginning in Matthew chapter 13, Mark 4, Luke 8. Our harmony here tells us, "'On the same day Jesus went out of the house "'and sat by the sea, and again he began to teach. "'And great multitudes were gathered together to him, "'and they had come to him from every city, "'so that he got into a boat and sat on it in the sea. "'And the whole multitude stood on the shore facing the sea.'" Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow his seed. And it happened as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on the stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it lacked moisture and withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm going to text this parable of the sower. I want to transport us all now back in time, almost 2,000 years. And imagine for a moment That you are a first century Jew living in Palestine under Roman occupation. You know that the scriptures promise the coming of a great and powerful Messiah who will sit on the throne of his father David. You have heard of this miracle worker named Jesus from a town in Galilee named Nazareth. Nazareth? Really? Well, that's what they say. Can anything good come from Nazareth, right? But he was generating lots of excitement and saying and doing amazing things. Oddly, though, your spiritual leaders aren't very impressed with him, though. And you've even heard he was recently accused by them of being in league with Satan. Wow, that's pretty extreme. But you want to go see him and hear him for yourself And decide, is he the long-promised Messiah? So you put on your walking sandals, and you go to the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee along with your neighbors, James and Mary. And on your way there, you're discussing all the stories you've heard about this Jesus. And you're wondering, what is he going to say today? You come to a place along the seashore where The natural acoustics make it easy for a man in a boat a little way off from the shore to be heard. And there is Jesus out in a boat. And he begins to speak. What's that he's saying? A farmer went out to sow. A farmer? Hey, you're a farmer. You can relate. You've done that before. You take your bag of seeds, you go out into the fields. The fields have been plowed. And you'd, take your, you'd reach in your hand, you'd take this handful of seeds, and you'd begin to toss them. and Some of it, they would fall on different kinds of soil. It just inevitably would. So you can relate to what he's saying. As you toss the seeds, some of it would fall on the, the hard pathway, the walkway. It wouldn't penetrate the hard ground. And birds would just come down and sweep it up. Some of the seed would fall on shallow, rocky soil. There was shallow soil with hard limestone underneath it, not far below the surface. You couldn't really tell that, though, by just looking at it. But you'd put it there, and it would land there, and the plant would spring up very quickly because it was shallow, but then because there was this hard rock underneath that it really couldn't grow any roots, it couldn't get any moisture, and then the sun would come up, it would burn it, and it would wither away because it didn't have any moisture. And you're thinking, yeah, yeah, I've seen that happen. Then Jesus said, well, some of the seed fell in with thorns, that there were thorns mixed in with that soil, and there the plants, they would spring up and they'd start to grow, but eventually the thorns would overtake it, and it would choke out any life that it might have had, any, any return that it might have had, any crop that it might have produced. There would be no crop at all because it would choke it out and kill it. And you think, yep, I've seen that happen too. But some of the seed fell in good soil, soil that was conducive to producing a crop. And the plants would spring up, they would take root, And then they would continue to grow and produce a crop. Yeah, you've seen that happen many times. You're a farmer. But you notice it wasn't always exactly the same harvest, though. You didn't always get exactly the same return on your seeds, sowing. Sometimes it would produce a a good harvest, a 30-fold return on your investment of seed. Sometimes, though, it would produce a very good harvest, a 60-fold return on investment Other times, though, it would produce an excellent harvest, a hundredfold return on investment. So you're listening to all of this, and you hear this would-be Messiah saying this, and you're thinking, yep, yep, I can relate. Hey, I've seen, I'm a farmer. I know what you're talking about. I've seen it many times, but what's your point? But then he doesn't tell you the point. He just says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I've got ears, I can hear. What do you mean? What are you talking about? So now you're thinking, what? Wait, what, th- that's it? I traveled all this way just to hear that? You're a little disappointed. But you notice your neighbors, James and Mary, they're really intrigued. And they want to know more. And you're thinking, wait a minute, What did I miss something? Well, many people did miss something. Even Jesus' own disciples were unsure about what he meant. And they were wondering among themselves, why is he talking so much in parables now? Why is he just being more straightforward with people? And just exactly what was he saying about this business about the farmer and the seed? Now maybe someone here is saying, "Yeah, is that it? That's so what? That that there's your sermon today. That's it." But others of you might be saying, "I get it." Right? Text goes on to tell us, but when he was alone, those around him, uh, but when he was alone, those around him with the twelve, his disciples, came to him and asked him about the parable, saying. What does this parable mean? And why do you speak in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it has not been given. To those who are outside, all things come in parables. Therefore I speak to them parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them and their sins be forgiven them. But blessed are are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So, Jesus, what, what is this parable here? And, and, and why are you speaking in, in parables? We'll look at Jesus said in a moment here, but first a, a parable. What is a, a parable? Well, a parable comes from two Greek words, para, balo. Para means alongside, balo means to throw. So a parable literally means to throw alongside. In other words, what you're putting it alongside another thing, you're comparing two things, putting them side by side. Throwing one thing alongside the other to compare it there. So what is a parable? It's a comparison. It's an analogy in which a known thing is used to help explain an unknown thing. Many of them, they knew, they understood how farming worked with the sowing of the seeds. They saw that every day. But what they didn't understand is, is why are people responding so differently to the message of Jesus? putting them alongside, comparing them, using a known thing to illustrate and explain an unknown thing. Parables were drawn from nature and everyday life experiences. Some are very brief statements, while others are detailed stories. But all of them have the purpose of revealing spiritual truth To those whose hearts are open. But that was not the only purpose of parables. His disciples asked Jesus, Why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus revealed that he spoke in parables so that they and others who believed in him would further understand spiritual truth. To them, it had been given to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to others, it had not been given. They were not given that ability to understand further truth through those parables. Why? What's that all about? Now again, we're not going to go into all of this here and right now. It's a topic that we have looked at at other times. Divine sovereignty and human responsibility, right? God is sovereign over all things, but human beings are responsible too. For the decisions and the choices they make And there's some mystery in how all of that works Together there But here Jesus says what Some are given the ability to Understand Others are not given that ability I would say it's not because God Is mean and he's only going to let Some people hear Why is he doing that Well in his sovereignty he chooses to Reveal that to some and not To others And it has to do With their heart conditions, or suffering? Well, that's another question, right? But here's something that's important for us to understand, though, right here. Now he says what? To those who are open to him, he will give that understanding. But to those who reject, he will hide. He will hide that truth. And you might wonder, why would God hide spiritual truth from people who need to hear it? In fact, he even quotes from Isaiah chapter six, where he says, "Folks would be judged. What the hearts of this people? Why are they not being given truth? Why? Because the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their uh, their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes have closed. And because of their unbelieving hearts, they would not believe, and they would not turn to the Word of God. They would not see it. They would not understand it. They would not." Receive it and thus be healed and forgiven. Because of their unbelief, they would not, they refused. So Jesus then began to preach in parables in order to serve three purposes. Three purposes. Why did he preach in parables, Jesus? Well, three reasons. Number one, to reveal truth to those whose hearts were open to him, number two, to hide truth from those who rejected him. And number three, to fulfill prophecy. As Scripture had indicated, Messiah would come preaching in parables. But again, you might ask, why would Jesus want to hide truth from those who rejected him? Perhaps you wonder that. Why wouldn't he make it so much more clear so that they could hear and understand and believe? Why would he hide truth from them? Remember, he's hiding truth from whom? those whose hearts are unbelieving and rejecting of him. Why does he hide truth for them? Because it was an act of mercy. Have you ever thought about that? God would hide truth, Jesus would hide truth from people who rejected him, in part because it was an act of mercy. Why? Because those who hear More spiritual truth and reject it will be judged more strictly than those who don't. So he would hide more truth from those who rejected him. It's an act of mercy. So that they would not be judged more strictly for having heard more and rejected more. So the disciples and the others, though, who received the message of Christ, they were blessed. Because they were being given truth that the prophets and the righteous people of the past wanted to see and hear, but they could not yet. Well, what about the meaning of this parable, Jesus? What does this mean? And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones who received seed by the wayside where the word is sown. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the devil comes immediately and snatches away the word that was sown in their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. These, likewise, are the ones who receive the seed on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, then, tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, and immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones who receive seeds sown among thorns. They are the ones who, when they have heard, go out in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of life, and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. They bring no fruit to maturity. But these are the ones who received seeds sown on good ground, those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, understand it, accept it, keep it, and bear fruit with patience. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So we've heard the parable. We've considered the purpose of parables. But what does this parable of the sower mean? Well, Jesus did not always explain the meaning of his parables. He usually didn't. But sometimes he did. And here Jesus tells us that this seed is the word of God. It's the gospel gospel message. It's the good news of the kingdom. It's God's truth, the word of God. The sower is the one who proclaims the gospel, the word of God. That can be Jesus himself or those who proclaim or testify in his name. And the soils represent four different spiritual heart conditions. Four different spiritual heart conditions. The first three soils do not produce a crop. But the good soil, the fourth one, does. And when people hear and believe the gospel, they produce a crop of righteousness in varying amounts. Who are these? The ones who, with noble and good heart, hear, understand, accept, keep it, persevere in it, that is, bear fruit. Thirty-fold, sixty, a hundred-fold. So we saw four responses to Jesus last week here, then four soils, four heart conditions. What are they? The hard heart, the shallow heart, the distracted heart, and then finally, the productive heart. The hard heart, doesn't want to hear it, bounces right off. The shallow heart, receives it, but doesn't really take root. The distracted heart, it seems like it's taken root there. There are some roots, it seems, but all this other stuff just chokes it out and doesn't really come to produce anything after all. But the productive heart hears it, understands it, keeps it, and with patience bears fruit to varying degrees that come to different levels of maturity or return on investment, if you will. But all of them produce fruit. The shallow or the productive heart always produces. So the hard heart. This is the ones that the hearts are just closed. If you all have had that experience or you, you, you feel like you need to say something and you, you proclaim this, the best news someone could possibly hear or want to hear and it's like in one ear and out the other bounces right off of them they're talking to a brick wall some people's hearts are hard and that seed will not penetrate at all bounces right off and then the evil one comes and snatches it right away the hard heart doesn't want to hear the shallow heart, see, here's where it gets tricky then. We can see the heart. We, we've all seen that, haven't we? But then we've seen some where, you know, it looks like something, I, I, hey, I, I think this person believes. Like the, the shallow heart, it seems like they, they what? They receive it, immediately receive it with gladness and tears and joy. I believe. I believe this. But you notice it never really seems to go anywhere after that, that initial response and that initial cry of gladness. It never really seems to take hold in them. And then difficulty comes, trial or tribulation or temptation. And that is just gone. It doesn't produce true faith. Sad that we've all seen that sometimes in Folks, we know, haven't we? We've seen some where it just bounces right off of them. We've seen others where they respond and they're, they're happy, they're eager, they're excited about it. But then, you know, a little while later, it's like, hey, whatever happened to that person there? It didn't really take root in them. The shallow heart. The distracted heart. Others, it's like, I think we've got something here. It's, it's beginning to grow, but then you notice after a while what? Other things take over their hearts. Or should I say other things are revealed in their hearts, revealed in their hearts. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of life, The desires for other things choke it out. There's all kinds of things that want to compete with the heart of faith, isn't there? So some we say, oh, I I think this person believes, but then they just seem to get overcome by one thing or another, the cares of this life, the pursuit of material things, the worries about life, the desires for all kinds of things, pleasures of life, money, sex, ambition, whatever, all of these things become more important and it just chokes out that life before it produces a crop. But the last one, the productive heart, what, they hear the word with a noble and good heart. They understand it. They accept it, they keep it, and they bear fruit with patience. So, some, then they hear the word, it makes sense to them, they understand it, but then what? They accept it, they believe it, they put their trust in Jesus, and then what? They keep it, that is, they persevere in it through hardship, through temptation, through the cares of this life. But you know what? Every person who truly believes doesn't produce exactly the same return on the Lord's investment, do they? Everyone doesn't grow to exactly the same level of spiritual maturity, do they? Some people produce a harvest to the 30-fold. I want you to know something. You know, Back in, in those days, as the farmer would sow the seed, to have a return on investment of 10 to 1, like, like uh, for, for your one seed that you sow, you get 10 back of a crop, 10 to 1. That was pretty typical. That was considered a good crop. But here Jesus says, some of these, though, they return 30-fold, whoa, 60-fold, even 100. So some people believe, and true belief is always gonna produce a return, fruit, a harvest of some kind. And compared to the condition we were in before, of what, spiritual death? This is great. This is 30-fold, this return, right? But some, wow, this is a really good return, 60-fold. But then some, wow, 100-fold return. Not everybody grows to the same level of spiritual maturity, do they? Why the difference? Why doesn't everybody grow to the same level of spiritual maturity? Well, we're going to find out in just a moment. But let's look at our last text for the, today then. It says, Also he said to them, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed Nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should be known and come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed how you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have abundance But whoever does not have Even what he seems to have Will be taken away from him So here we see a promise of blessing First off, truth is meant to What's this about about lighting a lamp And you don't hide it under a basket or a bed But you put it on a lampstand Truth is meant to be proclaimed So do what? Proclaim it Don't hide this This message can't be and shouldn't be hidden. You've heard it. You've received it. You've believed it. Now, let that light shine. Tell people. Put it out there. Not everybody's going to believe. In fact, most won't. But put it out there because you you don't hide this. Put it out there so people can hear. But then he says, what? Be careful how you listen. Listen. Why do do people grow to different levels of maturity? Well, you may understand, I may understand, and believe and accept a certain degree of spiritual truth or enlightenment of, of, of the word of God that's been implanted in me, but we all make choices, though, then, too, about what we do with that, don't we? And we can choose whether to be consistently obedient to it or resist it, can't we? Some of us will receive a certain amount of truth and we decide that's as much as I'm going to, to believe or to be obedient to. And the harvest stops at a certain level. But when we keep asking God for more truth, the more, more will be given. The more we take the truth that we have had and believe it and put it into practice, then what? The more God gives And the more he gives and the more we receive and put into practice and believe it, then the more he gives. And guess what? The greater the righteous, the return on investment. Why 30-fold? Why 60-fold? Why 100-fold? Because we make choices about what we do with the truth we receive. So what? what do you want me to do with this? Take us back to where we started. Those who hear and persevere in spiritual truth will be given more truth and will produce an abundant harvest of righteousness. I ask, what is your spiritual heart condition? Is it a hard heart? A shallow heart? A distracted heart? Or is it a good heart? that's open and receptive, believing, obeying what is heard. And if you've received that, if there is a harvest that's being produced in your life right now, a harvest of faith and life and righteousness, do you want to be a 30-fold producer, a 60-fold producer, or a 100-fold producer? Now it's true that God gives different people different gifts and abilities and places of service, right? That's true. And he does the Holy Spirit, distributes sovereignly as he wills. But it is also true that each one of us can choose to respond faithfully and obediently and receive more and more of God's truth right here, right where we are, right? So I ask you, do you want to be a 30-fold producer, a 60-fold producer, or a 100-fold producer? Is Jesus worthy of our all? Yes, he is. Let's all endeavor to produce. And again, we don't produce it. God produces it. His Spirit produces it working in us, doesn't he? But what's our part? Faith, obedience to the work of the Spirit. So, do you want to be a thirty producer, a sixty, or a hundred producer let 's all endeavor to say, lord i want to be I want you to produce an abundant harvest in me as I trust in you as I persevere in you as I believe and put into practice all that you 're teaching me. May that be the desire for all of our hearts let 's pray, Lord, thank you for this time we 've had to look at your word here and I pray, Lord, that this parable of the sower and that this message, that it would take root in our hearts. The Lord, there are some who perhaps are on that edge there and wondering, what is this gospel message? This good news. Well, this good news is that Jesus, the Son of God, you came into this world, you took on human flesh for us, you lived a life of perfect righteousness, perfect obedience to your law, you perfectly obeyed the law for us, you went to the cross, you took the punishment, the penalty for our sins, you took that on yourself, you paid that penalty yourself, you died, you were buried, and you rose again, and you're coming again, The gospel is believing that, putting trust in him, in his life, in what he did, repenting, turning away from sin, turning to him, accepting that, persevering then in that to produce a harvest of righteousness. Lord, we want to be abundant. We don't produce it, your spirit does. But we want to see an abundant crop in our lives of righteousness. Help us, Lord, to do that as we put our trust in you, as we obey your word. May you give us more and more light. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.